Hello, welcome back to the Grow With Jazz podcast. I'll be bringing you fitness education with practical application. I'm not gonna lie, this is the second time I've recorded this Q&A because as many of you have kindly messaged me letting me know today that the episode I did upload with the, this title was in fact last week's file. So it was the same episode as last week and I seem to have overridden that file, you know, the the this podcast episode that I recorded seems to have disappeared into the abyss so I'm re-recording today I'm usually like I'm super organized with the podcast I get it done at least four days in advance um but obviously you know we all, we all make mistakes part of being a business owner is totally fine and I wanted to get this Q&A out because it is questions from um, my one-to-one clients and my group program members so I put out a Q&A to those people who are who um, work with me to see if they had any questions that they'd like me to kind of go into a bit more detail on and I've picked four that I thought would be interesting to discuss on the podcast so enough with the chatter let's get into the questions and question one what are your thoughts on no sugar soft drinks the nutrition often says that they're zero calories but surely the other chemicals used are bad okay so sugar-free products use artificial sweeteners which are actually sweeter than sugar um so you might know ones like aspartame um sucralose stevia so you might recognize some of those names and and you know the use of artificial sweeteners isn't just limited to um kind of no sugar or diet soft drinks they're including things like protein powder protein bars but and also you know a lot of other food products kind of that we might see in a supermarket so artificial sweeteners themselves they're not metabolized by the body they're not broken down by the body so for a long time they were considered safe for that reason but there has been kind of growing concern concern over if having these non-metabolized compounds hanging around in the body um at a certain like concentration so in certain amounts can be toxic when in when in high levels um so that's the current you know you, you may have heard kind of concern about things like artificial sweeteners and are they bad for you and that kind of thing and that would be the reason they've also got no real nutritional value so they obviously they don't have calories or kind of macronutrients but they also don't have kind of micronutrients so they don't have vitamins they don't have minerals or anything like that um so are artificial sweeteners in high amounts is that good for you maybe not can artificial sweeteners be consumed in kind of um, moderate amounts as part of a well-balanced diet that is based around whole kind of less processed foods? Yes, absolutely. Um, One other thing to consider is that some more recent research has kind of revealed that artificial sweeteners might also influence your health by changing the balance of the bacteria in your gut. So if you are noticing either digestive issues or gut issues, one place I often start with people is looking at how many artificial sweeteners they kind of consume throughout the day. And as I said, if you are just having it here and there, you know, maybe even, you know, a, a soft drink, you know, a diet soft drink a day, I drink squash like pretty much all day and you know I have I use protein powder I use like protein bars uh you know a number of times a week the protein crisps my protein protein crisps I use so you know but then a lot of my diet is 
whole food based so you know minimally minimally processed so you know in its kind of more more original kind of natural form I have lots of fruit and veg in my diet and so the artificial sweeteners make up a you know a small moderate kind of percentage and so yes they can be consumed as part of an overall healthy and fine diet in high amounts if someone was having you know different forms of artificial sweeteners in every meal every snack and you know that all their drinks were kind of these diet soft drinks and that kind of thing now that might be something we we need to look at one kind of final thing that did just spring to mind is that if you know there if these these diet drinks are being used as an alternative to the full sugar drinks and therefore helping someone manage their weight as an alternative to those high calorie options it's a whole lot safer to be drinking a few sugar-free drinks per day versus the alternative if the alternative is being obese which is obviously a a huge health risk um much bigger than having some artificial sweeteners so obviously there's kind of that balance and and one real benefit of artificial sweeteners or these kind of you know diet drinks or whatever is that they might help people you know um with obesity if they're if they're looking to kind of manage that and and manage their energy intake that can be one helpful way of doing so um so rather they are diet drinks the healthiest thing on in the planet no but neither is like so much of what we consume in a modern day you know pretty processed nutrition alcohol all of those kind of things but they they can be they can be consumed as part of a a well-balanced diet if you you know if the majority of your nutrition is really quite on point okay next up i have a mindset problem i love working out in the gym and realizing how strong i'm getting but i don't feel particularly comfortable in the atmosphere and with many self-absorbed men and i always feel like i'm being watched then i have problems concentrating on my training any advice i think the first thing to recognize and as someone who has trained a lot of gyms and i've also obviously been a pt at a number of gyms as well um gyms vary so much the vibe and the people and the equipment and the environment and the atmosphere can be so so different depending on the style of gym you know are you at a bodybuilding gym or are you at you know a boutique gym or are you at a family run you know gym in the local village or whatever the 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 atmosphere in there is going to vary so much and it can you know depending on the people in there and the atmosphere etc it can and the music and all of those kind of things it can really impact how it feels to be in there and so if you have been at that gym for a a long period of time because obviously there's that initial time when we're at the gym and like you know even as a coach myself and I've been in gyms for like you know over 10 years or whatever um going into like a newest gym it takes a bit of time to kind of settle in like you know we always feel a bit you know self-conscious maybe at first but if you've been there for a decent time you just don't enjoy the vibe or or being there particularly that is a real shame because the gym is supposed to be somewhere you can feel like in your zone and kind of at home and obviously I know this isn't going to be feasible for everyone and it might be the most convenient option or the only option you've got locally to you but obviously if you're listening to this podcast and you're one of my clients either in the group program or one-to-one the gym's super important to you it's part of your life so maybe explore other options in your area maybe one that you could go to closer to work or closer to home if you're already doing that or you know so maybe that's that's the first thing I'd kind of consider 
But again, if that's not feasible, there are a few other things to think about. And I think the first thing is recognising, you know, remember what you said there. These men um, that can feel quite intimidating, you've said there you feel like they're pretty self-absorbed. So really, all they're doing is kind of looking in the mirror at themselves or looking in the mirror at the guy next to them to compare his biceps um, to what the guy next to him and, and how much he's lifting and so this kind of ego thing between them and so really they're kind of quite absorbed in their own thing and probably not worrying too much about what you know what any of us are doing in the gym um so so that's one consideration even just like normal people everyone is so focused on themselves I think you know in life we all walk around with spotlights on ourselves don't we so we think everyone notices our failures or when we slip up or make a mistake so everything seems you know really um like everyone's gonna notice we've all got the and so it's the same in the gym we've all got these spotlights on ourselves and we're all you know worried about what we're what we're doing but we actually don't care about any other people to be honest um but you know a a few other kind of practical tips make sure you're feeling you know you're putting yourself in a position where you can feel as comfortable as possible so wearing things you feel super confident and comfortable in and for some people that might be you know a nice sports bra and shorts and for some people that might be a more oversized t-shirt and some leggings so whatever that is for you but have gym clothes maybe buy some new gym clothes if you don't have that currently that you know that makes you feel confident and good in yourself get those headphones on before you walk in put some music on that you really enjoy and that makes you feel good that can really help you get into a good zone and I think finally just you know remind yourself of how important your training is to you um and you know the you've said there about kind of the feeling of getting stronger and developing the skill and and you know the endorphins we and the health benefits all of those kind of things and kind of say to yourself right I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let the the worry of some guy glancing over at me or whatever I'm not gonna let that interfere with my time you know this is my hour of the day I'm staying in my own zone I'm gonna block them out and this is this is my you know this is my time for myself and I'm not gonna let anyone kind of get in my head and interfere with that okay next question how long does it typically take to show signs of recovery in in HA, um, even when consistently eating at or above maintenance levels for an extended period. So for those of you who don't know, HA stands for hypothalamic amenorrhea. So the the hypothalamus, which is our con- the control centre of our brain, um, the, when we experience HA, the hypothalamus causes a loss in our period. So when the hypothalamus gets a message that there is something stressing out the body, it might stop releasing this hormone called GnRH, which is really a really important hormone for menstruation. Um, and it's so what the hypothalamus is doing is putting certain functions on hold so that the body can focus on the most important ones. So our body's in a stressed position, it needs to put its resources towards essential things and the menstrual cycle being seen as unessential, um, that gets stopped or, or put on, you know, our period gets put on on hold. Um it, another cause for this is is a kind of um, self-preservation kind of protection mechanism in that if our body is highly stressed, our um, 
our body doesn't feel like it's going to be in a position to successfully grow a baby um so it's preventing us from you know get getting pregnant because it, it's the level of stress the body doesn't feel happy enough to think that it could successfully do that um so the causes of this uh, are often a combination of things but mostly include not consuming enough energy so under eating um over exercising stress from um kind of psychological stress so emotional stress um but largely low body fat so maybe we are and i'll kind of come on to this but maybe we're eating what we might we might judge as quote unquote enough but the body fat we're maintaining is too low and finally you know having something like an eating disorder and so the fix for this is going to be reducing that stress on the body um so often that's going to look like reducing exercise and activity so maybe reducing the frequency of that reducing the intensity of the exercise and activity as well um eating more so consuming more energy gaining body fat is going to be another really big contributor towards regaining a menstrual cycle and then obviously managing the kind of mental and emotional stress so where possible kind of removing stressful situations or people um but also you know it's not always possible if it's work and we can't just suddenly quit our job or family or whatever and and so also perhaps kind of working on learning how to better manage stress um so kind of developing different kind of coping mechanisms boundary setting um and other mechanisms such as like uh, meditation journaling and maybe like mindfulness practices there is no kind of defined period of time that it's going to take to get your period back um but one really common issue we see is that even if you have reduced the amount of exercise you're doing and the intensity of your exercise you've increased your food you've worked on managing stress and that kind of thing if you are maintaining a body fat percentage that is too low and so that is like objective so too low emotions aside um you can do if your body fat percentage is too low for your body to be happy because that's you know at the end of the day if you feel like you've really you know worked on all of these other areas you can do everything you like in those other areas but the period's not going to come back if you don't break the emotional attachment to staying at a certain body weight or a body fat percentage. It's just not going to happen. Um, because even if you are at maintenance, maintenance doesn't automatically mean, oh, my body must be happy then because I'm not in the deficit. Well, if we're maintaining a body fat percentage that is unhealthy for the body, then we can't expect you know a, a healthy functioning menstrual cycle because the body is not happy at in that position um unfortunately this is quite common because um people that might experience like over exercising under eating getting to a, a, a low enough body fat percentage that it bec- becomes unhealthy um often put a lot of value and maybe put a big part of their identity is their low body fat percentage their nervous or worried or scared about seeing an increase on the number on the scale and that kind of thing and that can really hold them back from actually reaching proper health i.e you know and one of the biggest indicators of good health is having a healthy 
a healthily functioning menstrual cycle um but that you know and and it's it's essential really in that case that the person works on this attachment to their the low um unhealthily low body fat percentage and accepts i guess is the first step that okay i can do everything else in the world but if i don't commit to gradually increasing my body fat percentage a little bit i'm not asking you know we're not asking anyone to gain 10 10 kilos or whatever it would be a slow and kind of gradual gradual thing um but if we're maintaining a body fat percentage that's too low it's not going to come back so i think that's one key thing and and as i said unfortunately often the traits of people who you know to to um generalize but you know, overexercising, under eating, etc. From a kind of control standpoint, they and then they they get very attached to that low body fat percentage, and so there's kind of a bit of an emotional barrier to doing the hard thing of spending enough time in a surplus, seeing the number on the scale gradually increase a little bit. But that is a big part of what would help them get their cycle back. Okay, final question for today: What age do you start to lose strength? I keep work if I keep working out the same way I do now until I'm 60 plus will I eventually reach a point where I can no longer lift what I used to and have to reduce the weight I'm using so um sarcopenia is age-related muscle loss and a quite scary statistic is that after the age of 30 muscle mass decreases by around three to eight percent per decade but so that's quite a lot and that's quite scary but this is in inactive adults and so we know we can largely reduce that um decline in in kind of muscle mass through our activity and our diet and so you can absolutely keep getting stronger and gaining muscle obviously you know um, we know past 30 but 30 40 50, you know onwards there does become an age and these are you know there are there are parts of aging that we just can't change no matter what we do um such as you know a decline in bone density as we age and you know this our cells age our joints and our bones do become weaker um this is often exasperated by the fact that kind of older people become more sedentary and that kind of thing and then maybe they're retired and obviously they lose some movement in that way so some strength and muscle loss is going to be inevitable past a kind of certain age and I can't give you like a defined age when when you hit this point you're suddenly gonna you know start to need to drop your weights and that kind of thing but there is going to be you know when we become more kind of elderly we can't completely avoid as you know some of those changes I mentioned there to bone density cells aging you know mobility all of those kind of things but we can hugely um manage it and reduce that rate by lifting um doing mobility work doing cardiovascular work staying active and not becoming sedentary eating enough protein um they can all really benefit towards it so you're not just going to get stronger you know past 60 past 70 you know still pbing your rdl and that kind of thing because that you, your, your body will age but we can keep getting stronger you know for years and years and then you know maintaining 
obviously maybe when when we're old when we're kind of elderly we may adjust the way we train a little bit our exercise selection might be a little bit different we may have a bigger variety in our training to make sure we've got kind of mobility work and we're staying flexible and we're doing kind of you know stuff that's functional to keep us safe from kind of falls and that kind of thing so it may kind of the way you train yeah you may may be less worried about growing your glutes when you're 65 i don't know though but you know there might be a little less glute volume and a little bit more time spent towards something else i don't know um but you can keep getting stronger for ages you will age and we will you know become weaker at a certain point there's no kind of set set moment in life where that happens but we can reverse so much of these the kind of negative sides of aging through doing what you're doing and I'm sure you know as as someone working with me in whatever capacity I think you're probably one of the people who who is is in this lot in this for the long run okay so I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast I'm gonna upload it now so it'll be a Monday evening treat instead of a Monday morning treat this week um but as always if you've got any questions and that kind of thing always my dms my emails are always open and happy to chat if you would like to work with me a bit further like these people who ask the questions do um I'll leave all the information about my one-to-one training and nutrition coaching and also my group training program in the show notes so you can find out a bit more information if you're interested in one-to-one you can jump on a complimentary call with me and we can chat through your goals and how I might be able to help you um and obviously my group training program we're entering the first week of a new phase this week so really exciting time to build some glutes this is taking us through to the rest of um the end of the year which is kind of crazy but um I know lots of the members are excited for this phase um some of them have started with the pure glute session today and it seems to be going pretty well so it's very exciting and if you'd like to join in I'll leave the link to that in the show notes as well I hope you've all had a great day and I'll speak to you all again next week <laughs>